Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. How are you guys doing? Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to the Nick Wilson Show. Sounds like a typical bastard. What's going on in Nick Wilson's mind? My mind is a raging torrent flooded with rivulets of thought. You're about to find out. Look who knows so much. Nick Wilson is on now. Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. The show is back. Hashtag shut it down. You've got eight more hours of Nick Wilson sports talk in the Queen City. We got four hours today, four hours tomorrow. I mean, I I got good news abound for y'all. One, not only do you not have to listen to me after tomorrow, but Hacksaw's going to be in in studio tomorrow. The first time he's been in studio for, is it two years? No, it can't be two years. A year, a year and a half, something like that. So Hacksaw will be in studio. We may be doing a couple, uh, you know, anybody who remembers uh, the initial iteration of Wilson and Parcell and Wilson and Norfleet, we might be doing some signature bits from those times. But how the hell are you doing, Charlotte? How the H are you doing? Because hashtag shut it down rolls along. And the offseason rolls along. Here, as we get you closer to to training camp, and I do have, I've got a hell of a day on the way, and the hell of a day is immediately following the show today, I've got to pick up my my moving truck, because I'm doing a small move for stuff uh, that I'm going to need in the next month, and like cleaning out our storage unit, and then after that, I got my final uh, in-person PhD weight loss meeting. And then obviously at some point I got to figure out how to like, you know, spend time with my family and also get ready for tomorrow, my final show. So we got a day today, but we got good news. We got breaking news to start the show here. I got a place. I got a place in Ohio. It is starting uh, or or rather this week. We we finally found the home we want to live in in Northeast Ohio. We are so excited. And I get to move in on the 28th. So that means Big Daddy's got almost two full weeks staying on anybody's couch that will let me in Northeast Ohio. And mostly, it's going to be with my mom. So mostly, I'm going to be staying with my mom and her boyfriend. So so T's and P's, I'm going to need your thoughts and prayers on that. Because it's going to take a lot of patience from Big Daddy. But mostly, the great news, the Wilsons have a place to live in Northeast Ohio. So we're feeling good. I'm vibing here. I'm going to be sore as hell in about eight hours. And I'm going to be tired as hell as well. But for the moment, we're feeling good. And that that's allowing me to think of the Panthers. And listen, I think you guys heard it. I've all offseason, I've had the brakes on me. All offseason, every time I've wanted to do the thing that every team, any every NFL market does. Which is in the off season, that's the time for you and I to to dream to dream of caviar and have champagne wishes. All right? It's the time where even Jets fans are like, maybe Zach Wilson is gonna translate banging his mom's best friend into wins and losses. 
right? Maybe, maybe Jacksonville Jaguars fans, maybe Dougie P, fresh Dougie P, Doug Peterson, and Trevor Lawrence, right? Maybe that that Martina Navratilova lookalike and fresh Dougie P are going to make it to eight wins this year. That That's our time of year from the end of the draft to the beginning of camp for you and I and every other NFL fan to get real out there with some of our expectations. But I've had the breaks on me, and so have you. And those breaks have been the Panthers' quarterback position. I don't feel those breaks are there anymore. And, you know, we talked about it yesterday. We talked about uh, the Panthers. If I could guarantee you 17 games of Baker Mayfield this year, what do you think is the ceiling and the floor for this team with 17 games of Baker Mayfield? And I think it's interesting. Trey Wingo was on the Mac attack uh, yesterday and had a pretty ambitious outlook, pretty positive outlook of this Carolina Panthers team. Well, they better, or Matt Rule's probably not going to see year four. Um, you know, I, I like Matt. He's a friend of mine, and I want him to do well, and I, I, I am hopeful that he will. But he's a realist. You know, he knows what David Tepper is. David, hedge fund guys don't have a lot of patience. You know, I think this this is kind of it for for Matt. If they don't show massive improvement this year, and we all know where the improvement needs to come. They were second in defense last year, total defense, and 30th in offense. All right, maybe optimism was the wrong word to use. I, I probably should have used the word realistic with Trey Wingo's take on the Carolina Panthers situation. But it did, it got me thinking about, you know, leaps forward. And yesterday, something I've said and something I've, I've kind of continued to say here is we tend to think of teams getting better as only a step. Right, everything in in the minds of NFL fans and, and what we want, we always think about uh, linear progress. Well, you're going to go from four wins, and then you're going to go to seven wins, and then go to ten wins, and then ten wins, you're going to win the division, and then once you win the division, uh, maybe you lose a playoff game, and then once you lose a playoff game, then you win a playoff game, and then after you win a playoff game, then you got to get to the divisional or to the conference title, and once you get to the conference title, well, then you got to go to the Super Bowl, and I think everybody who's followed sports for long enough. No, that's just not how progress works in the NFL. And so I understand, and I think it's absolutely the right way to assess the Panthers. The Panthers on the field, from a wins and losses standpoint, have had no progress in two years under Matt Rule. As a matter of fact, they've pretty much stayed stagnant for the last two years of Ron Rivera, although, you know, the, the second to last year of Ron, they went seven and nine. But you know, seven and nine to, to five, six wins to five wins to five wins. But I think if you've been building to something, I do think, pro- I think progress can be not necessarily linear, but it can be there. There is tension in progress. So my expectations now that the quarterback situation is squared away, I've called it and I will continue to call it. If Baker's the starter, Sam's your backup, and Matt is your potential player of the future. Guys, regardless of what you think about any one of those guys individually, Sam would be one of the five to ten best backups, or at least most experienced backups in the NFL. Matt has a positive outlook on the future, or Matt Corral could be a very positive part of the future of the Panthers. We have we don't have anything to discredit him as a future quarterback of the Panthers, and then you have a decent starting quarterback. That's as healthy of a quarterback room, right? When we had Cam, 
Uh, it's probably the healthiest it's been since Cam in, in Derek Anderson, where you had an experienced backup quarterback who you could trust, and you had a quarterback in Cam who was both a MVP candidate and the, the guy of the future. So I'll ask you guys, with Trey Wingo saying the Panthers team better be in the playoff hunt, and we agree. I don't think 7-10, and 10, I, the, the context, listen, you can't go from 5 wins to 5 wins to 7 wins and keep your job, especially with the $63 million that Matt Rule was, was given when he, when he took over this job. But I'll ask you now, what would a playoff run mean for Matt Rule? Because I think the easiest thing to say about Matt Rule in the same way that Baker Mayfield is is going to hopefully stabilize the Carolina Panthers, I think Baker Mayfield also might be able to stabilize Matt Rule's NFL coaching career. It's not as if right now you and I can say, oh, look at that job. That's the job. In a year's time, Matt Rule will be coaching there, if it's not Carolina. Matt Rule will not get another NFL head coaching job This, if he were to be let go today. Or, sorry, if he were let go in December or January. This isn't like Riverboat Ron. Ron got fired late in November. Uh, what was it? Late December, he was Washington's new head coach. That will not, not in the NFL will that happen for Matt Rule. If he's going to stay in the NFL after this, he's going to have to take an assistance role. And then what's the college job? Well, James Franklin just got a 10-year deal in Penn State. There's not a lot of obvious jobs that if you look across really good programs right now, make sense. Those could, That can change. That will change. So I look at Matt Rule, and I look at Matt Rule's best chance to be a head coach. It is the Carolina Panthers. And as far as this team stacking up, this is the best team that he's had. And even though the uh, Ron teams, the last few Ron teams had great names, Cam Newton, and you know what? I'll say the one thing that this team doesn't have yet that those teams did, Ron and Cam's Panthers had elite culture, right? They were able to sustain losing Cam Newton, turning over the reins to an undrafted free agent who hadn't played diddly squat in college in Kyle Allen, and they still got out to a 5-3 and three start in 2019. Let, let's not dismiss the power of the Panthers' culture under Ron Rivera and under uh, Cam Newton and just that entire era of, quote-unquote, Panther, the golden era of Panther football. So from that standpoint, this team doesn't stack up. But this team, I think, has more depth. And how do I know it has more depth? Well, I think there's enough guys on this team that are still going to be on NFL rosters in five years. The guys who were your starters five years ago, four years ago, are now depth pieces. Mario Addison is a depth piece in Buffalo. Even Vernon Butler, who could have been one of your future starters, is a depth piece in Buffalo. So when it comes to the Carolina Panthers in a playoff run or a playoff spot, I do think you have to start with a playoff spot for Matt Rule would mean stabilization. Matt Rule's NFL career. Matt Rule, you know what? Maybe this is the easier way to put it. Matt Rule's NFL stand, standing in the Panthers organization needs stabilized. Because it, Itty Bitty and I were getting into this conversation before the show. And he's like, well, I, I don't know definitively. You know, we don't really know definitive, definitively if Matt, if Matt Rule's on the hot seat. 
Look at every single thing that has happened since the Panther Schneid started at the end of the season. Dave Tepper could have come out at any point in the first two months after the season and given Matt Rule a rubber stamp of approval. He didn't really even comment publicly until the week before the draft. You talk about some of the long-term moves. The, the Panthers saying, well, I'll, we'll guarantee most of the financial money for Deshaun Watson, but we're not going to go to the full boat. I'd venture to say that had as much to do with uncertainty within your organization. Maybe maybe not. Maybe wondering what it would look like for this organization to be locked into that long-term deal with Deshaun Watson with all his questions, with your own questions at head coach. Even now. Dave Tepper apparently just held the Panthers, or sorry, held the organization hostage on trying to win the deal of Baker Mayfield. Why? Because he didn't want to give up too many future assets in case they needed them to get another quarterback. Why would they need that? Because Matt Rule might not be the guy that helps you win. So stabilizing the Panthers, to me, is what a playoff run or stabilizing Matt Rules standing in the Panthers organization is what a playoff run would mean to start for Matt Rule. 704-570-9610. Hit us up on the Garage Door Guru text line. What would a playoff run mean for, for Matt Rule this year? And do you need any more definitive proof? Do you need more definitive proof that Matt Rule's job is on the line as soon as early in the season? Nick Carboni, WCNC Sports Director at 1040 at 1120. Miles Simmons, Pro Football Talk writer at 1140 Radio Tinder. Then at 1240, our five key questions. And then Mello Miller of DraftScout.com. He gives us the Big 12 angle on college football realignment. But what would a playoff run mean? For Matt Rule and more doomsday sayers in college football. Next on Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. Welcome back to the Nick Wilson Show. Nick Carboni coming up in about 20 minutes. And uh, if you missed the announcement, Hacksaw is going to be live in studio tomorrow. And... I, uh, you know, I, I brought that to the airwaves and uh, Itty Bitty Fitty's jealousy of Hacksaw came right out of the open off the air as uh, as he just uh, say it the way you said it off air so that I can publicly call you out for for your uh, insecurity. All I asked was that was he going to be on the air for four hours with us? Mm -hmm. And I and I had said he's going to actually probably even pop over for our our pre-show meeting just to be part of the conversation and know what we're going to be talking about tomorrow. And it just confirmed my many suspicions from the beginning. Mm -hmm. You love Hacksaw more than me. I don't think that's a suspicion. I worked with him for longer. He was my very first real friend in Ballantyne. He's a cabin boy. Like... You just you've got a lot of ground to make up. Why can't you look at the ground you've made up and say, uh, look at how look at how, how much ground I've made up on Hacksaw in the last almost year of working together instead of I still am not loved by Nick more than Hacksaw. Because Hacksaw and I are two very different breeds of people. Yes, yes. He's very likable and you're you. Um I'm kidding, you're very likable. You that know, was mean. Rumor has it. And I cannot confirm or deny it, but I'm confirming it. Uh-huh. You know, Cleveland wasn't possible until I became your board op. That's true. That's true. They were like, you know, when you were with those other guys, you and Parcel, not enough. 
You and Fleet, not enough. You and Hacksaw, not enough. But the way you're working with this itty-bitty Marlowe kid, <laughs> that's the key. You you may come home now, Nick Wilson. Um, so we, we had, uh, who, uh, I think it was Stanford P., Asking, because I had said, when Hacksaw comes back tomorrow, we are going to probably pull back one of the bits we used to do, probably back from the Wilson and Parcel days. And he asked whether it was going to be hacked on history. And now, if you guys are not familiar with the bit, if you're a recent convert to the Nick Wilson show, we would do hacked on history. We do hacked on spelling. Um, we do hacked on science, hacked on pretty much anything. Uh, and it basically was seeing where Hacksaw's knowledge level fell on any specific topic. Hacked on sports, we didn't even try. That's maybe the one. No, I think we did hacked on basketball once or twice. So I guess I'll throw this out to you. If you guys are familiar, because I was thinking about going the OG bit. The OG bit started is we were in a pre-show meeting and Hacksaw, if I remember correctly, was was writing on the whiteboard what our plan was for the show. And there was like, there was probably five or six misspellings out of maybe 20 words. And phonetically, it was all over the place. You could barely read it anyways because it was chicken scratch. And we just were like, oh, this is a bit. And so we brought it on the air. So I, I thought about going the OG route. All right. I thought about going the OG route, which was let's go back and see if Hacksaw still can't spell. But if you guys want another hacked on, hacked on science, hacked on math, Hacked on um, world history, whatever it is, send it in on the Garage Door Guru text line. And uh, Kingpin saying, please tell me Hacksaw isn't doing one of his god-awful parody songs tomorrow. He will be. It'll be the final hack song of the Nick Wilson show as we continue on and venture into hashtag shut it down. In the meantime, th speaking of things that should be shut down beyond the Nick Wilson show... I I don't understand how we've reached this time and point in the NFL where are in the sorry in college football where it is very apparent and the college football decision makers are are basically telling you with every decision they make the in the same way that the bagman right the 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 guy who's been responsible for for finding players behind the scenes and getting money for eons, the same way that that guy is now out in the open, free to do his bidding, and just, he's flaunting it. John Ruiz in Miami, one of their big boosters, is flaunting it. So these boosters don't have to hide anymore. It's the golden era for the bag man because there's no penalties coming for his program as he pays players to come to his school. The same thing can be said about college administrators, about um, about conference commissioners, about ADs, about uh, SIDs. Everybody's out in the open saying, hey, guys, this is about money. And it's so funny because the idea of amateurism isn't dead. These players, even if it's ipso facto, even if it is in one way a pay-to-play situation, they're also... It's all being funneled under the guise of NIL. But while you look at that side of things, you also have to look at the fact that administrators are no longer just saying, oh, yep, we got to save this amateurism. 
Nope, now it is. We've got to secure the bag, and we've got to outlast the other schools in our conferences. We've got to get to one of the big conferences so we can be making $100 million a year, which is funny because college coaches like Mac Brown, who this show loves, I got a lot of love in Mac Brown. I don't think there's a phony bone in Mac Brown's body. But yet, he still, and they are still coming out, like when he was on the Always, Always College Football podcast, saying crap like this about NIL. We're making decisions without having them thought out. And we're, we're making decisions without knowing what the consequences are. I, I talk to my wife, Sally, a lot about people and outside of football and her opinions. And it was funny when NIL came up, she said, well, the, the art student can pay for their art get their art paid for in college. The musician can go play at a concert or a bar. So why can't athletes make sense? That's fair. But we have to have some guidelines. We have to have some guardrails. And we just threw it out there, and, and people are going to take advantage of lack of rules. And, and that's kind of what happened to us. And uh, I like the players getting money. I'm not sure it's healthy to get too much money. Huh? One, I'm just glad to hear Sally Brown's take on NIL. For players, I'm, I, I, I've been thinking to myself for a long time. I've heard every head coach. I've heard every administrator. I've heard every player to ever play college football's take on this, but I haven't heard coaches' wives on this. That's what I need to hear. Two, does Mac Brown think this is going to help him? Like that last line. Well, I'm all for players making money, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Too much money is a good thing. Where's Mac Brown talking about Jeff Bezos being worth $250 billion or Elon Musk being the weirdest knob in history, being the richest man in the world? I, I, it's funny because I never hear, I never hear uh, Mac Brown come out and say, you know what, I think Dabo Sweeney's making too much money. That kind of money's, what is the penalty here? Because in, in essence, what Mac's really doing is telling on himself and every other college administrator. I, I do believe that when you're a young person, unless you've been schooled in it by your parents, I was not. You get money, and you're probably going to waste a, a fair amount of that, if not all of it. We've seen it time and time again with some of these athletes coming into professional leagues, and they come from uh, below average means, and before you know it, not only are they buying everything they probably shouldn't buy, they're also supporting half of their family. And in the end, five years after they leave the league, they're broke. But what Mac's telling on himself, let's be real honest here. There's no problem with these young people making too much money. Whatever somebody's willing to pay them is what they're worth. That's the capitalistic ethos. But where I think Mac Brown's telling on himself is that there isn't in telling on college football. If you want to restrict athletes and how much they can make guidelines is there because see that's it it's not restrictions no, no 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 these are friendly guidelines in which you can go ahead and restrict the means for athletes to to make as much money as possible on their nil in what is already probably a limited athletic window for them what really bugs me is if mac brown really wants to create meaningful change for nil he and every program should be having and should be, if you're recruiting somebody, you should offer financial literacy courses to those young players. If I had gotten financial literacy, like real, honest-to-goodness financial literacy classes when I was in high school, I wouldn't have made half the mistakes that I've made financially, the, the learning mistakes that I've had to make. 
So the problem to me isn't, well, every, I mean, these kids are making all this money. It's not good for them. It's not good for them if they don't have uh, a natural, either their parents have taught them, family members have taught them, or if they don't have a structure in place for them to help learn how to handle that kind of money. So it's wild to me. I, and I just want to throw this out there. What is a bigger threat to college football? Is it NIL or is it the insatiable thirst for money from college's administrators? It's the thirst of money from it's, it's not It's not players getting paid. Like, to me, a healthy college football, healthy D1 college football, involves anywhere from 60 to 100 programs. Uh, there's going to be financial disparity in it. But that has different levels. I'm talking about the future now. It involves different levels of of playoff opportunities and opportunities for players and coaches and everybody to make more money. It doesn't have to be, what is it, 130 schools now that have 140 schools that have uh, all this uh, opportunity in the D1? I'm still calling it the D1 like, like I'm 75 years old. But it's just wild to me that coaches, well, the biggest, we got to have guidelines. We got to NIL, all this crap. Where's Mac Brown calling out the lack of leadership in conferences rating each other? In super conferences, which could, I don't, I'm not fatalistic that it will, but could end a lot of college football programs out there. If Mac Brown, and, and it's not just Mac, because Mike Gundy has said stupid stuff, because Nick Saban has said stupid stuff. Well, I got to have guidelines, got to have guidelines. You know what we should have guidelines for? The conference realignment run amok, which is probably going to lop off a couple thousand opportunities for young men and young women in other sports, young men and women in other sports, to get a really good education. At schools that are not football powerhouses. That's the real threat to amateurism. I just don't understand how these guys, how, how college football in general, how leaders in college football can have their head up their own ass in the way that they do. And that's as somebody who will not go. I, I cannot say how much. I really, I cannot go into even greater detail about how much I respect and admire Mac Brown. But when he comes out and said, I'm all for players having money, just too much money could be a bad thing. Tell that to college administrators. Tell that to the Jamokes running the ESPN and Fox Sports and Apple. Why is it the players that always can have too much money, but not anybody else in college athletics? Nick Carboni, WCNC Sports Director, he joins us next. We'll get into his thoughts on the Baker deal, the latest on the Hornets. We'll also Get into just good memories between me and uh, Charlotte's other best Nick on Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ, welcome back to the Nick Wilson Show. If you missed any of the start of the day show, WFNC.com for the full hours, bits, and interviews. But uh, we, we have broken the news, the big breaking news on this show. Tomorrow's the final Nick Wilson show, and I've had a few people ask, yes, it was my decision to leave. If it was not my decision to leave, uh, in radio, when it's not your decision to leave, it's like in the mob. They, they, uh, you, don't, you don't see it coming, you get whacked, and then nobody ever talks about you again. That's the general way that leaving a station works if it's, if it's the company's decision. And in, in, in reality, um, Urban One, Radio One, Jeff Rickard, and Marsha, my boss, our, our bosses here, have been 
amazing. I mean, just beyond amazing uh, in this whole process. So, no, no, it is it is my decision to, to go back to 92 The Fan in Cleveland. But with Hacksaw coming back, and he will do one final hack song, and it'll be live in studio. That's the breaking news for tomorrow. Uh, we had people saying uh, some suggestions, saying that Hacksaw should do a You've Got a Friend from Toy Story uh, as as the final hack song, and then saying he should do the Welcome Back Cotter theme song for my return to Cleveland. Um, so I will tell you, Hacksaw threw out a couple ideas. We talked yesterday on the phone. He threw out a couple ideas that he might be you know, percolating on for the hack song of the week. It does. It, it, they don't miss. I'll just tell you that. It's really good. I'm really excited to see what he does. As bad as the hack songs were early, it would be fitting if he just ended on a dry fart. If he just ended on something that really embarrassed him and me, that feels like the best way to end the hack song because that's basically the first 12 months of when it started. In the meantime, Here's another, speaking of uh, You've Got a Friend in Me, our our next guest, uh, guest, depending on how it's ranking on any given day, he's one of Charlotte's best Knicks. I, I'm the other one. And he is Nick Carboni, WCNC Sports Director on the guest line. What's up, buddy? Welcome back to the show. How you doing, fellow Nick? And, uh, you know, if, if Baker doesn't play 70% of the snaps, do we get to keep you? Is that how this all works conditionally or, or is this a, is this a done deal is what you're saying unfortunately um i am not part of the conditional uh acquisition um mostly because uh trying to get a conditional lease in this uh housing environment's a little difficult but i like where your head is at uh carboni let's let's talk about that if I could guarantee you 17 games of Baker Mayfield in Carolina this year, starting 17 games, playing 17 games, which is something I can't, I, I, was it 2017, 2016, 2015, the last time the Panthers have had a quarterback start the full season? If I can guarantee you a full 17 games of Baker Mayfield starting, what do you think that would mean for the Panthers in 2022? I would set it at a nine win season. Uh, a push for a playoff spot. I mean, the NFC obviously is the inferior conference at this point, so it's a little more open. I think this team was a competent quarterback away from not a great season last year, but not a, a season in which they started 3-0 and and finished 5-12. and So I, I think when you add in to the mix a quarterback that can push the ball down the field, Baker does have his own interception and turnover issues and late game issues. So there's also that. Um, but I think he is an upgrade at the position and with everything else they've got going on on the roster, like I said, great, not great, but good and has potential. I think they could get a little squirrely and win nine games. What would a playoff push or a playoff run mean for Matt rules situation in Carolina? I mean, if he didn't get fired after two five-win seasons and the way things ended <clears throat> last season, I think a playoff push or playoff run doesn't guarantee but probably means that they found a quarterback at least for the next few years, and we'll see what, you know, what Baker would want to do after a season like that. But if he didn't get fired after last year, and this is all part of a five-year thing, not my words, I'm just the messenger, then I think he would probably be sticking around uh, after a season in which they make the playoffs or 
it comes down. I mean, can, can we hang on to this thing until the holidays, right? I mean, I've got family coming into town this Christmas. I have I have upsold them on this Lions Panthers Christmas Eve tilt, Nick Wilson, and I cannot be made a liar. So we've got to we've got to be relevant around here that, at least that long for one. Nick Carboni's journalistic integrity inside the family is on the line here. Let's go to the Hornets here. Uh, they they wrap up the summer league here. Mark Williams uh, started last night. Kai Jones had some some good uh, moments. What did you make of the way the the summer league ended for the Charlotte Hornets? Yeah, and and hopefully some more good things tonight. I thought it kind of got off to an awkward start. I mean, listen, I have no problem with Kai Jones taking 10 threes in a summer league game if he wants to work on that part of his game and they want him to work on that part of his game. Would have liked to see a few more go in, obviously. But I think he's still showing the flashes of, you know, raw athleticism that have people excited. He's He's not there yet, um, but, you know, it, we'll see if he can kind of grow into that. I was really excited about, you know, Bryce McGowan's their second-round pick, the, the efficiency he showed, the smooth shot he showed. The, the big thing with Bryce McGowan's is always going to be defense, and you're not going to re- really be able to tell how he fits into a team defensive scheme under Steve Clifford in a summer league session. So I think I, I'm not surprised by his offensive ability, but it was nice to see him fill it up and like I said be really really efficient about it and Mark Williams I think you know he did the he he didn't Chet Holmgren anybody but he did the things that they drafted him to do and that was alter shots defensively and basically stand at the basket barely jump and put the ball in the hoop he did that you know he he showed the lob game he showed some of the things he can do at 7-2 with a 7-6 wingspan and a 9.9 9.9 standing vertical leap or whatever it is, uh, that is all going to translate at the NBA level. So I, I think I saw kind of enough of those attributes from those two draft picks to where I feel pretty comfortable about them uh, contributing at some point this season. Mark Williams, I think, sooner rather than, than Bryce McGowan. Nick Carboni, WCNC Sports Director. On the guest line, uh, we are talking uh, Hornets, Panthers. Uh, can I? So I was on my my once in future station yesterday, and I was asked about uh, the British Open, and it's funny I hadn't really even thought about it. Uh, I love to golf, and I I think this year has been a very interesting year for golf. But there's just something amiss. Uh, are you paying attention to to the to RNA this year, and are how have how has this year in golf headlines impacted your interest in the golf game? Well, I did just turn it on before you called me, so I'll have to see who's leading. I mean, it's such such odd times, and you know, it's bouncing around like the British Open is on the USA Network, so that's paradoxical. But uh, I'm interested this week. I, I love watching uh, the majors. Um, I love you know a, a classic course like St Andrews that is the 150th Open Championship. Um, yeah, it's just been, it's, it's just been overshadowed by everything going on with live golf, but that in itself, I think is just fascinating, uh, you know, to have actual big name, major champion golfers, some of them decide to totally break rank, totally mortgage their futures with the PGA tour to go and play in the live golf series. And, 
you know, we've heard for every week, it's no matter where the tournament's been, it's like, well, we haven't heard from so-and-so on this. We haven't heard from so-and-so on either side of the issue. This week we heard from Tiger, and he was pretty, pretty strongly uh, against it. Well, Tiger Woods, I mean, listen, it, he doesn't need – however much money Live Golf could offer Tiger Woods, he really doesn't need it. He's the one athlete that really can say that. So, um, but, but I think he took a hard line against it. Um, I think he was, he was pretty accurate in saying it just doesn't seem like a long-term – it doesn't seem ideal long-term. Uh, especially the golfers that really haven't done anything yet. Uh, maybe the golfers that have won on the PGA Tour and, and just want to make some generational money in a year, uh, good for them. But, um, yeah, it, it's certainly been, been the story of the, the golf season so far. And now that we're through the majors, maybe that slows down a bit as, as Live Golf gets going for the rest of the summer. Be honest. Did you remember to get Ashley Strayline a birthday gift? Is she just celebrated a birthday? I did not. <laughs> But uh, I haven't seen her since, so I will. Uh, I will. I will run to Walgreens or something. I'm sorry, Stro. Wait, Walgreens? <laughs> what what well, do we? They sell what? cards there, right? They sell cards there. Okay, I'll I'll step my game up a little bit for you. All right, here's the thing. You and I both know. You and Stro are holding together WCNC Sports Division. There, you guys are holding it down. You guys have to spend so much time together. You're going to get her a card. There'll be something in it, like a you know a, a gift card. They sell those at Walgreens too. Mm, I don't. I'm, I'm toast. I am toast now. I, can can you uh, can you hand me a shovel? So I <laughs> Follow this man on social media at Nick Carboni WCNC. Uh, one of the true gentlemen of Charlotte uh, sports. Uh, even though he forgot his uh, his work partner's uh, you know birthday and did get her a gift, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, Boney, appreciate you, man, and uh, good stuff today. You're the best, and uh, if if you were going to go anywhere, I guess we'll let you go back home. Good for you, and happy for you, and uh, we'll be in touch. Good man, Nick Carboni. There, uh, appreciate the kind words, and he is legitimately maybe the nicest person, like nicest, most unassuming human being I've met in the city of Charlotte, which is saying something because there's a lot of you out there, a lot of good people out there, but uh, good stuff with Boney there. We got more to get into from that standpoint, but uh, one NBA analyst had an interesting take on the NBA's biggest problem, and I don't think he's wrong. Sports Radio, 92.7 FNZ.